I will get the banner up before Sunday. I might have a little staples here. I'll love my staples at home. And I'll get that up there for Sunday. I'm very glad that you're in church tonight. Again, it's good to have this young man, Johnny. Glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Glad you're back with us, sweetheart. We love you. We're glad you're here. Uh, back in the beginning of or the end of last year, I, I had some different ones, went through some different subjects. Uh, the night that Cheryl's mom had passed, Jenkins was supposed to uh, be talking about this subject, and since then, we've kind of changed it a little bit. Told him to focus a little, a little bit different direction of this, and especially since it's being the beginning of the first of the year, it would work out very well. So, Jake is going to come talk to us tonight, and I'm expecting it to be a great thing tonight. So, come on, give him a good hand. Lift our hands without wrath and doubting, and let's just praise the Lord in this place right now. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. You are excellent and awesome, God. I love you. I glorify you and I pray. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would come in and captivate each and every person here. You would change our hearts, change our minds, and help us to focus on you in a different way. Lord, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, Lord. And if you would, just remain standing as we turn our Bibles. Romans chapter number 5 verse number 6. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 6. It's good to be at the house of the Lord tonight. And I, I thank God for all that he's done and all that he's yet to do. I believe this year is going to be a year that we figure out just what our focus should be. That we need to be focusing on creating unified servanthood this year. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter number five, verse number six. If you are there, please say amen. If you're looking at the screen, just say I'm cheating. All right, praise the Lord. Put the Lord, got some honesty When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Right. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yeah, peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. For a really good guy, well, some people might. For a good man, some might dare. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, right. Christ died for us. Praise the Lord. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet jerks, while we were not yet considering who on earth Jesus even was. Amen. Christ died for young godly. We're going to turn over to Luke chapter number 17, verse number 7. If you can follow along, if not, I'll just begin to read. It's going to be on the screen. Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle? This is Jesus speaking. Will say unto him by and by, when he's come from the field, go and sit down to me. Who lets the slave eat first? And will not rather say, make ready where I may sup, gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you'll eat and drink. Slaves eat last. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I try not. Likewise, ye. When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded to you, say, We are unprofitable servants. But we have done that which was our duty to do. When you do just your job, you are an unprofitable servant. Yeah, amen. All right, you may be seated. Stuff has to happen in a certain order. I was going. Uh, I was going to get that vase experiment that some of you've heard about, that little illustration that was put forth. Uh, but many of you've heard of it. We've talked about it, and uh, just uh, 
Well, Texas had it happen, Mama had it happen, and now I've had it happen. That when you get down to speak on this order topic, you deal with what you talk about. So I do not have a base to show you. In fact, I had issues with a few things today. <laughs> order matters. You see, in this base experiment, they pull out a base and they put some big rocks in it and they say, is it full? Some people nod and say yes. Then he, the man pulls out some smaller rocks, pours them in, they fill in the little cracks here and there. Is it full? Some say, of course, now it is. And then they pour in the sand. Is it full now? Another starting question. Then he pours in some water. Is it full now? Yes, it is 100% full. But I'll tell you this. If I had put in the sand first, I couldn't have got the big rocks in. Order matters. Uh, it was a few years ago uh, that I was scrolling through YouTube and I found a story of a man named Tim Urban. He uh, runs a blog called Wait But Why. On October 30th, 2013, he wrote a story about why procrastinators procrastinate. The word procrastination is the action of delaying or postponing something. Your first tip is to avoid procrastination. It's so elegant, it's simplicity. While we're here, let's make sure obese people avoid overeating, depressed people avoid apathy, and someone please tell Beachwell that they should avoid being out of the ocean. <laughs> avoid procrastination isn't just good advice. Procrastinators, those people that are like, I totally go on Facebook a few times every day at work, I'm such a procrastinator. The same people that will say to a real press or something like, just don't procrastinate, you'll be fine. Thing that neither dictionary nor fake procrastinators understand is that for a real procrastinator, procrastination isn't optional. It's something they don't know how to not do. Yeah. He writes this story. In college, the sudden unbridled professional freedom was a disaster for me. I did nothing ever for any reason. The one exception was that I had to hand in papers from time to time. I would do those the night before until I realized I could just do them the night. Through the night, and I did that until I realized I could actually start them in the early morning on the day they were due. This behavior reached character levels when I was unable to start writing my 90-page senior thesis until 72 hours before it was due. The experience that ended with me in the campus doctor's office learning that lack of blood sugar was the reason my hands had gone numb and curled up against my will. I did get the thesis in, even though it was not good. In fact, he told in this speech that he made that he turned it in. He said, he said it was like one of those movies. You jump in in slow motion and land it on the desk just as the timer beats. That's the way that he told it. He said, and I received a call a few days later. And I said, we need to talk about the paper. It's the best thing we've ever seen. No, that was not what happened. <laughs> I had to, He had to completely take the semester over again. Even this post took much longer than it should have because I spent a bunch of hours doing things like seeing a picture on my desktop from a previous post, opening it, looking at it for a long time, thinking about how easily this guy could beat me in a fight. I'm wondering if he could beat a tiger in a fight. I'm wondering who would win between a lion and a tiger. Then Googling that and reading about it for a while, the tiger would win. I have problems. To understand why procrastinators procrastinate so much, uh, we're going to start by, uh, he, he got these brain scans made, and the uh, first one was a brain scan of a non-procrastinator's brain. Jimmy, could you pull it up? The non-procrastinator's brain. You see, they've got this rational decision maker here in their mind, good thing, piloting them to where they need to be. I do things that make sense. I think long-term. I'm not a child. See, pretty normal, right? Now, uh, then he got a brain scan of a non of a procrastinator's brain. Uh, there's a very subtle difference. Uh, you see, they've got this monkey over here, and uh, it's called the instant gratification monkey. They just think, you know what? I, I, this rational decision maker. He's got the same purpose as the guy in the first drawing. They are the same. However, 
that monkey just likes the mess thing and stuff. It's the rational decision maker who procrastinates when it's coexisting with a pet. The instant gratification monkey. <laughs> this would be fine. Cute even if the rational decision maker knew the first thing about how to own a monkey. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't part of his training, and he's left completely helpless as the monkey makes it impossible to do his job. You see, moving on, next, this is how it goes. This would be a perfect time to get some work done. No, let's watch a bunch of YouTube videos on creatures of the deep sea. And then go on a YouTube spiral that takes us through Richard Feynman talking about the string theory and ends with us watching interviews with Justin Bieber's mom. Then we organize a to-do list, check stock prices on Amazon, split our iPhone albums into smaller, more specific albums, and then by that point it'll be 2 o'clock, we have an appointment at 4.30, it'll be too late to really start any work at that point. The fact is, the instant gratification monkey is the last creature who should be in charge of the decisions. Yeah, he thinks uh, only about the present, ignores lessons from the past, disregards the future altogether, he concerns himself entirely with maximizing ease and pleasure of the current moment. He doesn't understand the rational decision maker any better than the rational decision maker understands him. Why would we continue doing this job? He thinks we could stop, which would feel better. Why would we practice an instrument when it's not fun? Why would we ever use a computer for work when the internet's sitting right there waiting to be played with? He thinks humans are crazy. In the monkey world, he's got it all figured out. When you're hungry, you sleep. When you're tired, uh, well, when you eat, you eat when you're hungry. You sleep when you're tired. You don't do anything difficult. You're a pretty successful monkey. Problem is, this happens to live in the human world. It makes this monkey a highly unqualified navigator the rational decision maker who is trained to make rational decisions not to deal with competition over the controls doesn't know how to put up an effective fight he feels worse and worse about himself the more he fails the more suffering procrastinator whose head he's in grates him and it's a mess but the monkey in charge procrastinator finds himself here in the dark playground you, you see you just do stuff that makes no sense you take a refreshing phone email again and again roller coaster Throw a ball up in the catch it food court. You fantasize about a completed version of the thing you worked on, and you look at 1,200 Facebook photos of high school person that you were never friends with. Adventure. Don't move on yet. <laughs> uh, the dark playground. It's every procrastinator knows it. You just uh, jump around between guilt, anxiety, self-hatred, and dread. Sometimes the rational decision-maker puts his foot down, refuses to let waste time doing normal leisure things, and since the instant gratification monkey isn't going to let you work, you find yourself in this bizarre purgatory of weird activities where everyone loses. See behind me. And this rational decision-maker just mopes, trying to figure out how to let the human he's supposed to be in charge of everything end up here again. But how do procrastinators get things done then? Because he mentions that after he wrote this article, he got a lot of emails from people saying, this is me. And they included everything from NASA scientists to uh, CEOs to a lot of PhD students. There's one thing that scares the monkey to death, and it's this. The panic monster is what this thing is called. He is a, he's dormant most of the time, but he suddenly wakes up when a deadline gets close, like a thesis doing 72 hours, or a sermon being assigned you at the beginning of December that didn't get done until today. <laughs> Now, when there's danger of public embarrassment, a career disaster, or some scary consequence, he shows up. He screams, everyone screams, the monkey runs up in a tree, and the monkey, normally unshakable, is terrified. How else could you explain the same person who can't write a paper's introductory sentence for two weeks, suddenly having the ability to stay up all night, fight exhaustion, and write eight pages? I think Bethany knows this. I've heard stories. These are the lucky ones. There are some who don't even respond to the panic monster 
in the most desperate moments, they end up running up the tree with the monkey entering a state of self-annihilating shutdown. Quite the crowd we are. You see, the problem is there's three things problem with procrastination. It's unpleasant. Too much of the procrastinator's time is spent in this dark playground of doing nothing that could have spent enjoying satisfying well-armed leisure time if it had been done second. Yeah. The procrastinator sells himself short. He underachieves. He fails to reach his potential. It eats away at him over time and fills him with regret and self-loathing. And you see, the have to do is happen, but not the want to do's. Not the things that you want to do. You said, you know, the idea of one day uh, of working towards a job you actually want instead of one you hate, or the idea of, for our purposes, getting close to God, or praying yeah. in the morning, praying for two hours at a time, like some people do, or even five hours, as I heard recently. There are people who pray for long hours of time. Why are they able to do this? Because they put something else first. Now just go back to my main pronoun. Do not show anything else right now. You see, I was when I was given my topic, I thought of something ended up rolling around in my head when I began to figure out what I was going to call this. And um, yeah, let me go ahead and show the tweet. I thought of something that I saw on Facebook for years and years. Twitter, Facebook. That hashtag right there. God must be first. You see, we talk about outdoors, sports, video games. God, where does your passion lie? It's John Autry. He preached at Harvest House. And actually, before there was ever a Texas or Donnie, there was a John. At that point in time, he's the very first person from Marion, Kentucky that ever preached behind this pulpit as one of our preachers. But there is something that he, over time, ended up writing this. This was not the first tweet to ever use that hashtag. It was one of the early ones, but it was not the very first one. In fact, the first one said that uh, I love my pastor, Brother Daniel Horton, but it didn't really sum up the message of what it said. And before that, it, there was a hashtag thought has to be first, but it wasn't the one that became famous. Talking about the fact he was so proud of his daughter staying up and memorizing Bible. But God must be first. That's what I'm going to talk about. Let's go ahead and pull up the title screen now. God must be first. I have a word down there. I'm going to do my title. Priority. Priority. I was doing something similar to... I live my life very similar to the way that Tim Urban was talking. Struggle with it often. But there was something that happened uh, over the course of the last year. My mind started rolling around some things back in December 2018. December 14th, 2018, I wrote a journal entry saying these words, I need to better myself. I need to become the man I'm called to be. I need to commit myself to daily prayer. I need to fix my sleep habits so that I can wake up early and pray. I need a more in-depth study of the Bible so that I can always have a fresh word of God. I need to live a lifestyle of fasting. My flesh must be in submission to reach the best ministry God wants me to be. I need to enter full-time ministry I need to live as if I'm in ministry full-time. i got to keep learning. I need to bring my finances under control. I need to keep the main thing for the main thing. I need to set my priorities straight. Put God first, then church with its people in ministry. 
this is where my career and family is very closely tied. And all of these things trump YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and video games. What order do these priorities go in? You see, I wrote that in December 2018. There's a man named Ryan Mir that said something early in December 2019. Talked about you pray prayers, you forget you pray them in the emotion of the moment, and God makes you your life bring you to those spots. You're wondering why is my life going so crazy? God's trying to answer your prayer. When I get to that moment where I'm in my home all alone for most of last year, I started working to make sure my priorities were straight. Yeah. What is a priority, though? Does priority mean the most? Are priorities the most important things? Are priorities the most important things? Is that the definition of the word priority? Merriam-Webster defines priority as the state of being prior. The state of being first. If it isn't done first, it's not a priority. Only one thing can be done first. So priority can't be a plural word. Why do we hear so much about I need to get my priorities right if priority isn't a plural word? See, only one thing to be done first. Priority should not be plural. So what do we put first? God must be first. We can't procrastinate and not put God first. We can't procrastinate by looking at Facebook 1,200 photos on Facebook of people we don't even know when we haven't even prayed that day. We don't need to be watching YouTube videos that lead us down the spiral of interviews with Justin Bieber's mom when we haven't read the Bible that day. Or horse videos. From Poland. <laughs> No, no word was Denmark, sorry. <laughs> I I promise you my grandfather would have prayed that day before that. <laughs> I would be shocked if he had. <laughs> you see, why is it so important that God must be first? Why do we put God first? Well, it's that verse that I read you at the beginning. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did Jesus wait until you Loved him to die for you. Jesus died before there was any guarantee that anyone would live for him. He may have guessed that maybe John will live for me, considering he's following me so closely. He's laying over here. He might have considered, well, my mother was chosen before I was even born, and she is following me. She believes I am who I say I am. So I could die for them. But there was no guarantee anyone would live for God. There was no guarantee anyone. He gave himself before anyone ever repented. He gave himself before anyone was baptized in the name of Jesus. And and before anyone was considering, I will follow God with all my heart. He gave himself anyway. He gave the promise right after man sinned. He gave his promise the day that man sinned that he would die for us. That there would be a man born of the woman who would crush sin. It might bruise his heel, but he would bruise the devil's head. Before there was any guarantee and all man was doing was covering himself up with a fig leaf, God said, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. Before any Gentile even knew that there could be hope, Jesus gave first. That's why we need to put God first. Our priority in this life is God. There is one priority, one priority only, and that must be God. He must be first. He's got to be first in everything. Amen. 
He's got to be first in your walk. He's got to be first in your time. He's got to be first in your conversation. He's got to be first in your life. And no, I do not. I'm not speaking redundantly when I say life. Life isn't. Life is. A, it can be an entirely separate thing. You can put God first in your money and not in your life. Amen. You can put God first in your time and not in your life. There is no other priority. Priority is a singular word. So God, if God is not the priority, something else is. Yeah. Something will be put first. You see, he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Our flesh naturally wants wrong things. Yeah. We are going to naturally turn to wrong things. You must turn off your brain's default mode if we are ever going to put God first. In Galatians chapter number 5, he talks about the fact that the works of the flesh are manifest, and they are these, and they are not what God wants us to be doing. He says, the works of the flesh that are manifest, and they are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Adultery, that's looking to another person who is not your spouse with lust, which leads to the act. Fornication, that is any sexual relationship outside of marriage. Um, uncleanness, that is anything that is not pure. Lasciviousness, that is an intense desire for something sexual. Yep. No. Idolatry that's putting anything before God. Yep. And that right there is what we're talking about. Amen. Anything being before God, witchcraft, that's anything that's anything from devil worship to rebellion. Amen. Amen. Hatred. That is as bad as murder in the eyes of God. Variance, just going from thing to thing. Emulations, wrath, anger, strife, tearing people apart, seditions and heresies, false doctrine, Indians looking to other people yeah. for what we want, murders. I think we know what it means, but it also means hatred. As I said, drunkenness, that's any sort of just distracting yourself that is anything substance that could mess you up, that is revelings, parties, crazy parties, such of the like, which I tell you before, as I've told you, they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our flesh naturally, that's the works of the flesh. What is flesh? What is flesh? Your skin. It's you. It's your body. It's what you naturally want. And only through the Spirit do we get right actions and right priority. You see, only when we are filled with the Spirit, it's because it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, separateness against such there is no law. It's only through the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's our natural flesh. Gonna, it's going to want something besides God. And the fruit of the Spirit, that's when we love, which is God's priority. So how do you ever know that you're putting him first? Remember what I read at the beginning, Jesus talked about that servant who comes in and thinking he's just going to eat first thing. No, you're going to make me food first. You are my servant. You're still on the clock. You better be making me my food. You can eat when we're done. And at the end of that, if you do only your job and don't do anything to make it any more comfortable, then here's your food. Yeah. You are an unprofitable servant. You're not making him a bit of extra. <coughs> You're unprofitable. 
If you're doing nothing extra, you can just say you are an unprofitable servant. So are we doing only what is necessary? Romans 12.1 says, your reasonable service is what? Present yourself a living sacrifice. Your reasonable service is complete sacrifice. Your reasonable service is complete and total sacrifice. We must do more than is expected of others if you want to hear well done in the end. He see, he tells us that in the end, what you're going to hear when you walk through heaven is what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said an unprofitable servant is one that does only what's required. God must be first. Amen. So how do we know that we're putting him first? What does putting him first look like? It looks like sacrifice. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, we read about the first sacrifice mentioned in the Bible by mankind. And that is, when Abel brings the firstlings of his flock, yeah. he puts that sacrifice on the altar. And then his brother comes along, brings some fruit, from his field, from his job, the thing that he produced, and God rejected his sacrifice but accepted Abel, what was the difference? You see, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. Cain brought some fruit. He didn't bring his first crops. You see, it was no problem that he brought crops. Yeah. The problem wasn't that it didn't bleed. The problem was that it wasn't first. In fact, I heard it said one time in a Sunday school in a Sunday school story, Cain is that mold on that strawberry? Cain is that mold on that strawberry? And God's going to be too pleased with that. You see, God provided for people to bring fruit to the altar. He, he provided. He said you can bring in grain sometimes if you can't afford anything better. The problem was the reason Cain couldn't afford anything better was because he didn't bring in the first of the crops. Yeah. Cain brought an offering, but Abel brought his first stuff. Cain's problem was not what he gave, it was when he gave. Sacrifice is not sacrifice if you know you can afford it. Yeah. You see, we you don't know at the beginning of the paycheck. At the beginning of your pay period, what's going to look like at the end. So if you decide, I'll give him the last 10% for my tithes, it's not your tithes anymore. It is simply an offering. Sacrifice is not sacrifice if you know you can afford it. How do you know that you're not going to end up at the end of your pay period when it's a day before the check's due, that you're going to have to suddenly have to pay for your car Ten percent of your money. You don't know that, but it don't matter. He asked for the first sacrifice. Isn't sacrifice? We know you can afford it. Abraham did not know when he climbed up that mountain that he could afford to lay his son on an altar. Amen. He had no guarantee, but God wants your first, even if it's your only. Amen. You see, He asked for the every firstborn lamb. To be sacrificed. You have no guarantee that, that that as soon as that lamb's born, you bring it in for the sacrifice, that the mama isn't going to die. But he asked for the first. Even if it's the old. This day taught not just God, but Isaac what was going to come first. What comes first is God. You see, we need to make him first in our finance, as I said. We've all heard that verse in Malachi. Every church has preached about it, I'm sure. And it's the reason why everyone seems to think that all churches want is money. But we're going to talk about your money because it's important to God or he wouldn't have put it in this book. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. You say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? No, it's exactly. You rob God if you just give him your tithes. And you rob God if you just give him your offerings. If you just give God $300 here and there, even though which is way more than your paycheck, 
you're still robbing God. If it's just every once in a while, I'll put throwing 300 bucks. That's still robbing God. And if you only ever pay it to the penny on your gross income, you're still robbing God. Tithing is 10% offerings are extra. And he asked for both. He said, it's a command. You're cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith. I'm not going to read the rest of the verse because I'm going to focus on what he just said there. He said, bring your tithe into the storehouse. He didn't say give it. He said bring it. Because that first 10% belongs to God already. It's not you giving it that. It is bringing it. It is commanded. It is a commandment just as much as do not kill. So, what do we do then? We bring him the tithe. Why do we bring him the tithe? We bring him because he asked for it. But he also says, prove me now herewith. I will not, if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out on you such a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. We aren't just praying this prayer. We are, it does have a source. You will pour out upon me such a blessing, there is not enough room to receive it. That prayer we pray, it comes from here. We're just reminding you, God, you said this, so I'm doing it. And I'm, I'm just reminding you, you said that, so can it come? What does your wallet say comes first? Does food come first? How much your paycheck goes on food before it ever goes into the before it ever goes into the offering plate? Does fun stuff come first? How much of that's going to extra going to pay to make sure that you can pass that level of candy crush? How much is going to the PlayStation store? How much is going into your app store? How much is going into and is it anything going into that? Anything going into that offering plate? Is it going to your family? No. Are you saying that your kids are more important than God? No, I'm, I'm not saying don't provide for your family. And I'm not saying don't buy, don't pay to win Candy Crush either. I'm not saying don't do either of those things. I'm just saying that God comes first. Yeah, you see, food, fun, family, or your Father in Heaven, which comes first? You see, Jesus said that no man will follow me if he doesn't hate his father and mother. That's in Luke 14, chapter, verse number 26. Luke 14, 26 says this. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear a cross come after me cannot be his disciple. That means... In comparison to how much you love God, you've got to hate everybody else. In comparison to God, everyone else is worthless. Which one of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost whether he has sufficient to supply it? What's worth more to you? The kingdom or the family? You see, if your tithes, I'm not going to pay my tithes because I might not be able to afford my life. It's better for your family to sit and sit in the dark later on that month than it is for you to not pay your tithes. Amen. But remember, we promised He will open the windows of heaven. Amen. You're going to find that your family can afford to live when you. Without the promises of God. Amen. Amen. He will care for us if we give first. You don't need to be so worried about your family that you're not worried about the kingdom. Amen. As long as we're tied up with what with the opinions and the ideas of people, we are never gonna live for God. Amen. It don't matter if those people love God. If you're worried about pleasing them, you're not gonna please God. It don't matter if they are strong apostolic Christians. It doesn't matter if it's the pastor of this church. If you're only out to please him, you're not going to please God. That's right. So how much do we get? Well, at least 10%. And ask him what more he wants. 
Just ask him. So God, yeah, I, I, I gave my 35 bucks this week. So what, what else do you want? What, what else do you want? I gave my 35 bucks this week, and uh, God, I'm just going to remind you that I, I do owe $100 in bills this week. Um, but how much do you want? 99 Okay. Amen. You see, back in December 2018, I uh, got an unexpected extra amount of money. I went and preached for a church for a Christmas service. I come back that night. I was like, well, I don't even have plans for this money. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But we had a special offering going on that night. Someone was about to have all their lights turned off. And, well, I said, I just, I felt that I needed to. So I wrote down the entire amount for that check. Mama even told me, she's like, look, this isn't going to cover it. They're still not going to be able to afford this after this. But I felt like I needed to, so I wrote it down. Later on that same month, after I gave out that entire check, I ended up getting a check in the mail for about how much? $1,200-something. Amen. Little did I know that was the provision of God for what was going to be coming later on that year when I was suddenly going to lose my job the next month. And it sustained me. Way beyond sustained me for the rest of that year. I found more and more blessings in that year than I have ever seen financially and otherwise. So, it don't matter what he asks. We better get it. When is first? We need to put him first in time. It's first. What do you do first in the morning? You look at your phone. Just yep. turn over. I, 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 I confess that oftentimes it is one of the first things I do because I'm completely blind and can't see my clock across the room. But other than that, <laughs> uh, do we look at our phone and start scrolling? Okay, someone texted me. And, oh, the news says that there's missile strikes going on. And, um, oh, well, I got a game request. I better do that. And, do we eat first thing in the morning? Head in the kitchen, grab yourself a bowl of Cheerios, and oh, you know what? Also, that uh, you know maybe some I can, I can just you know we got some leftover bacon. It's not expired. Might as well cook that. Or do you just fly out the door because you're late for work? Because the night before we stayed up till three o'clock in the morning oh, yeah. Come on. playing games on our phone or talking to some girl or just scrolling through pointless twelve hundred dollars of people you don't even know. Right. Or do we make sure that before we do anything else, we fall to our knees in prayer? See, people in the Bible made it a habit to seek God first thing in the day. Abraham went out early to the place that he regularly met with God in Genesis 19.27. Jacob found himself waking up and talking to God after having a vision of angels ascending and descending from heaven. And he said, God's in this place and immediately made an altar. Job went out early in the morning to make sacrifices for his children. In Job 1 and 5, the psalmist talks multiple times, multiple different psalmists talk about early will I seek thee, and I will find you early in the morning. And I, Solomon says that it is wise to seek him early. Jesus' followers met Jesus to the place where he was teaching early in the morning in Luke 21 and 38. And Jesus oftentimes rose early to go pray. You see, angels are active in the mornings. 
That thing in Genesis 28 informs us of that because Jacob looked up and saw a ladder up to heaven and angels ascending and descending. And when do people dream? It's not late at night. It is the last thing that your brain tends to do before you wake up. So in other words, just before you wake up is when you're going to find that the angels are active. Just before you're ready to wake up. So why don't you wake up earlier? Start talking to God when the angels are ready to respond. You see, we show God that he's first by doing stuff for him first. By talking to him first. Uh, what Mark Brown put it this way, he said, I want to talk to God before I ever have to deal with man. Amen. He said, the period of deep sleep and dreams is right before most people wake up. Heaven is braced for a response, and you will respond first thing in the morning, get down on your knees and pray. What time do we wake up in this room? What, what time do we people in this room tend to wake up? <laughs> Does anyone wake up before the sun's up on a regular basis? All right, that's awesome. Awesome. The period of deep sleep and dreams before we wake up. God is active in the night. What does Genesis 1 and 5 say? The morning and the evening? No, 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 no. The evening and the morning were the first day. But when did God start working? When the sun started, when the sun normally would have started going down if there had been a sun yet. Before the sun ever come up. And then the next day, it was also before the sun came up. And also before the sun came up. And also before the sun came up. The evening and the morning were the first day. Jesus works the evening and the night. So we need to pray when it is still dark outside. According to this. If you want to talk to God when he's ready to work, pray to him while it's dark. Now this is not to say the prayer and the rest of the day don't work. But there is something powerful about talking to him first. Thing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he also says he's the first and the last, so maybe also the last thing. Amen. Amen. You go to sleep. Maybe your knees should be on the ground before and after you go to sleep. There is a reward in praying first. Mark Brown, as I said, go to God before you go before man. It's also an entire book called The Nautical Hour if you want to hear a better argument than I'll ever give. Just look it up. Tony Bailey, anything on him talking about prayer, you're going to hear about it. Just look him up. He told some awesome, awesome stories in that book. But I, I'm about to... We need to put God first in our lives. So, what do I mean first in our life? How do you make decisions? How do you make decisions about what you're going to do in your life? What questions do you ask before you make a decision? What, who do you talk to before you make a decision? When do you choose to make those decisions? The decisions we make change our lives. Yeah, there is to it. Every decision you make is going to change your life. Believe it or not, it even is going to change your life whether or not you wear a tie or not that day, to some degree. Whether it's just in the fact that you're going to have to think about an extra one to two minutes in getting ready. When life changes, we change. And there are decisions much more important than what color or if you wear a tie. Yeah. Every decision we make, whether or not we fill up gas before we before we get home or after we leave the house, will change your life. And also, but there's the much more important ones. If you date that girl, will change your life. Yeah. If you decide to propose, will change your life. If you decide it's time to have a kid, will change your life. If you decide to take that job, will change your life. If you decide to spend that money, it'll change your life. If you decide to get a Facebook account or delete one, it will change your life. If you decide to watch that video, go to that website, take that class, will change your life. And when life changes, we change. 
So we've got to be proactive. We've got to be first. We've got to let life not happen to us, but we need to happen to our lives. Yeah, we need right. to change our lives. So how do we put God first in our lives? We put him first in our decisions. Yeah. Ask before every decision, how will this affect my relationship with God? And these are the type of questions to ask to figure that out. Can you still make it to church if you make that decision? Yeah. Yeah. Here. How is this going to affect my normal time of prayer? And if you don't know because you don't know what your normal time of prayer is, it's a good chance you're not praying enough. If you don't know where you pray and when you pray, you probably don't pray. I ask you, when do you pray? You can't give me an answer better than often or all the time even. You probably aren't praying. Yeah. If you tell me I pray, oh, I pray all the time. Okay, so when was the last time? Yeah. I, I know these people that say all the time probably do not mean it because they're not praying at that moment. <laughs> You're right. How does this affect my prayer time? How does this decision affect my prayer time? Does the Bible say anything specifically about this? I will repeat what Brother Balance tends to say. You do not have to pray about the decision whether or not to sin. Amen. Right. You don't have to pray about whether or not to sin. The Bible says don't do it, don't do it. Also, have my time been paid yet? You need to pray about it. We need to pray more than once. I heard a man that brother, I made a, I heard a man that's got a YouTube channel. He's right about my age. Yeah, well, 238 is the name of his account. He said this. Pray about it more than once. And pray until you hear something. Yeah. People say I've prayed about it, but you just prayed about it and got up. Come on. God, do I? God, I'm, I'm really I'm thinking about dating this girl. Well, okay, I'm just, I, I'll let you know that line. He's like, that's what people say, and that's how they end up in relationships. I don't approve of. Yeah. Because they prayed about it, but they prayed about it, but it's not prayer if you're not listening. Yeah. Prayer isn't prayer if you don't listen, because God does speak. We don't necessarily hear his voice the way you're hearing me right now. Or maybe you do hear it the way you're hearing me right now. You're not listening to me right now. <laughs> prayer is a prayer without listening. But we don't always listen. Jeremiah 16 says, they would not hear me. They could not hear me, was what it said. Because they chose not to listen. We just don't always listen. And the reason why we're not listening is in Romans 8, 7. Carnal mind is enmity with God. Why aren't we listening to God? How, why is God not first in our decision? Because we're living carnally. Amen. Because we're too busy hearing theme songs in our heads. We're too busy watching movies all the time. We're too busy watching YouTube all the time. We're too busy listening to music we have no business listening to all the time. We're too busy hanging out with people that God doesn't approve of. We're too busy to show up at church where God's voice comes across the pulpit. We're too busy to read our Bible where God put his eternal word forevermore because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The very first thing that happened was the word was. Amen. In the beginning, God. Amen. The first thing that ever happened was God spoke. And his word was born. He was slain from the foundation of the world, but before the world was founded, there was the Word. God does speak. God has been speaking since the beginning. And every word He has spoken since the beginning is still available today. Amen. Let the results of prayer and godly counsel shape every decision you make and therefore shape your life. By putting God first, our life transforms. 
Let me go back to where my title come from. You know why the very first preacher from Mary and from Harvest House became the man that he did was because one day he decided he would put God first instead of be the man that he always was. Amen. That's right. And there's a reason that to this day it still affects every person in this church when they hear that hashtag being mentioned. Yep. And if it doesn't affect you, it's because you didn't know him. That's it. Amen. Because when you decide to let God be first, it will shape your life in a new direction. Yeah, right. A completely and totally new direction. But every decision you make forms your life. Yep. We gotta let God be first. Yep, that's right. I'm about to close. Music will come. I preached a message called More Than Mere Christianity sometime last year. Or 2018. And I preached another one this year called Unreasonable Service. Last year, 2019. Within the last year, <laughs> I preached a message called Unreasonable Service. I believe that as Christians and as people, we have to push past normal. We shouldn't ask, how much do I have to pray? That message, if that what those words, how long does a prayer have to be? A prayer don't have to be any length. You can pray for five minutes and five hours with the same amount of effectiveness. Depending on how much you're putting into it. How much influence do you already have with God before that prayer? It don't matter. It's not how much do I have to pray? It's not how often do I have to ask God about something? How often should I look in the Word for an answer? How much do I have to give? We need to be thankful for the very opportunity for any of those things. And He needs to be first. He's got to be our focus. We once were lost, but now we're found. By giving an offering, do you know what happens when you give in an offering? Do you know what happens when you pray first thing in the morning? Do you know what happens when you just always mention God before you mention anything else to somebody? The very thing, where would you be if no one had ever given an offering to this church? What would you be if no one had ever put a penny in an offer plan? I promise you, it costs money to run a church. And when we stop having money, we stop having this building. You see, when you give it an offering, you're giving to the place. You're not just giving to this place, you're giving an opportunity to someone else to find the hope that you found. Amen. I heard it so often in these for Christ promos and stuff, where they show someone dropping some coins in a can, and then they show on the other side of the world some kid getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, that's what happens when we give. We're giving someone else. Well, we're not. We're not giving our money. We're giving opportunities to people to find the hope that we found. Yes, amen. And I'm not talking about offering today. I'm not talking about money today. I'm talking about putting God first. And the thing is, when we put God first, it don't matter what it costs. Amen. Our commitments are how people know we're different. Do you want people to know that you've been saved? Amen. You want people to know that you've been saved? You've got to commit something. Because you are, if you don't look any different, if you don't act any different, if you don't have a different priority, no one is going to know that you're saved. Right. When they see our sacrifice, they see what God has done for us. You see, 
When they see someone deciding, I'm not going to watch so much YouTube today. When they see someone deciding, you know, they're not on, they're not showing up online on this game anymore all the time. When they see, I never see you active when I turn on Messenger anymore. They know you're different. So here's what I want us to do. It's something I said earlier in this message. How do we know what to give? There's a few things in the world that's specific what we need to give. That's 10% of our money, time, and prayer, unspecified. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There's a few specific things. Our whole bodies is a living sacrifice. That's laid out specifically in the word, but everything else. Well, that's you gotta talk to God and let Him tell you what to do. We can make decisions sometimes. Oh God, I'm gonna commit personally that for these few days I'm gonna eat everything fasting, something like that. We need to come to these altars and just ask. God, what do you want me to give? Just come to these altars and ask, God, what do you want me to give? What conviction do you want me to embrace? What cross do you want me to pick up? God, do you want me to just not watch that show anymore? God, do you want me to not play that game anymore? God, do you want me to start wearing that instead of this? God, do you want me to start praying this all the time? God, what do you want me to give? And wait until you have an answer. Don't just ask the question and get up. Wait until you have an answer. He is talking. You just might have to clean out your ears a little bit. God, I want you to remove the influence that that TV show has had. I don't, I want you to remove those song lyrics from my head right now because God, I need to hear from you. God, I need, I need to get rid of that. I need, to, I, I need to not see that picture in my mind right now. I need these distractions to go away because God, you got to be first. God, you must be first in my mind. Please don't make this just another ordinary altar call. We'll be sitting down for about seven minutes or so with three minutes or just your normal amount of time. Whatever your normal amount of time. Just keep on praying until the music ends. No, no. Wait till you have a word. Wait till you hear what I'm supposed to give. God, what am I supposed to give? How do I put your first? What am I putting before you right now? God, you've got to be first. There's nothing worth more I could ever come Nothing can compare You're a living hope Your presence Your glory, God, is one.
Shame. 